Hello and welcome to episode 691 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It is my pleasure to be with you this afternoon. My name is Terrence M. Stanton. We are recording on Monday, October the 23rd, 2023, in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. Today would have been the 75th anniversary of my dearly departed Nana and Papa, my maternal grandparents, so... Chester and Teresa Lolito, may you rest in peace. I love you very much. Thank you for being the best grandparents a guy could possibly ask for. Today's the Monday prayer to the Most Blessed Virgin Mary to obtain holy perseverance by St. Alphonsus Liguri. O Queen of Heaven, I, who was once a miserable slave of Lucifer, now dedicate myself to thee to be thy servant forever. I offer myself to honor thee and serve thee during my whole life. Do thou accept me and refuse me not as I should deserve. O my mother, in thee have I placed all my hopes. From thee do I expect every grace. I bless and thank God who in his mercy has given me this confidence in thee, which I consider a pledge of my salvation. Alas, miserable wretch that I am, I have hitherto fallen, because I have not had recourse to thee. I now hope that, through the merits of Jesus Christ and thy prayers, I have obtained pardon. But I may again lose divine grace. The danger is not past. My enemies do not sleep. How many new temptations have I still to conquer? Ah, my most sweet lady, protect me and permit me not again to become their slave. Help me at all times. I know that thou wilt help me and that with thy help I shall conquer if I recommend myself to thee. But this is what I fear. I fear that in time of danger, I may, not neglect, I may neglect to call upon thee and thus be lost. I ask thee then for this grace, obtain that in the assaults of hell, I may always have recourse to thee, saying, Mary, help me. My mother, permit me not to lose my God. And today, friends, we're continuing our series about Russia from 1peter5.com by Maxim Grigoriev. That's spelled G-R-I-G-O-R-I-E-F-F. This is part two, Heralds of a Catholic Russia. Vladimir Soloviev, 1853 to 1900, Russian religious thinker. It was in 1888 in Paris that Soloviev published the article, The Russian Idea. In it, the philosopher asserted that Russian orthodoxy, in order to overcome its own spiritual crisis, needed to be reunited with the Catholic Church, headed by the Bishop of Rome. Despite the fact that Soloviev did not see the possibility of a unity of the Eastern and Western churches in corporate terms happening anytime soon, he did eventually convert to Catholicism while never becoming Latin. A future article will treat this matter in depth. Father Nikolai Tolstoy, 1867 to 1938, the first Russian Catholic priest of the Byzantine Rite. In November 1894, the Orthodox priest, Nikolai Tolstoy, officially joined the Catholic Church. In his confession, Father Nikolai writes, I believed that the Eastern Church as a whole should unite with the Roman Church and form with it the one Catholic Church. Before it can happen, one should act as if we lived in times before the separation, and as if that separation had not existed and did not exist. Father Nikolai knew Vladimir Soloviev, and it was on February 18, 1896, on the feast day of St. Leo the Great, Pope of Rome, in Moscow, that in the domestic church of Father Tolstoy himself, Soloviev officially joined the Catholic Church, according to the Byzantine Rite. Vladimir Soloviev argued that it had been 
only by reestablishing full communion with Rome that he did finally become a true Eastern believer, like those great and holy fathers of the ancient East. This, he says in his fundamental text, Russia and the Universal Church. As a member of the true and venerable Orthodox Eastern or Greek Russian Church, speaking neither through the mouth of that anti-canonical synod nor through the secular power officials, but by the voice of my great fathers and teachers, I recognize as the supreme judge in the matter of religion, the one who is recognized as such by St. Irenaeus, St. Dionysus the Great, St. Athanasius the Great, St. John Chrysostom, St. Cyril, St. Flavian, Blessed Theodoret, St. Maximus the Confessor, St. Theodore Studite, St. Ignatius, etc., namely, Apostle Peter, who lives in his successors and did not hear in vain the words of the Lord, and upon this rock I will build my church, strengthen thy brethren, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Due to his active participation in Soloviev's conversion, Father Nikolai was threatened with arrest, so he was forced to leave Russia. His life, though, ended as the life of a true Russian martyr in the homeland. He was shot by the Soviets on February 4, 1938. Father Alexei Zerchaninov, that's spelled Z-E-R-C-H-A-N-I-N-O-V, 1848-1933, head of the Mission for Eastern Rite Russian Catholics. In 1896, the parish pastor of one village in Arzimus district near Nizhny Novgorod, Father Alexei Zerchaninov, declared his allegiance to Catholicism. After a thorough study of patristic writings, the history of the councils, liturgical texts, he, without any external influence, came to the conclusion that the Catholic doctrine is true. He was motivated in his studies by the need to debate with the old believers, active in the region and to support his own church, which was in a deep spiritual crisis at the moment. And a hyperlink is given to the old believers. I'll read from that briefly from Wikipedia. Old believers or old ritualists are Eastern Orthodox Christians who maintain the liturgical and liturgical practice and ritual practices of the Russian Orthodox Church as they were before the reforms of Patriarch Nikon of Moscow between 1652 and 1666. In other words, they're not in communion with the Catholic Church. To continue, it was for his religious views that he was later arrested and sent to the Suzdal prison as an apostate from the official Russian state church. Lacking both the special education of a scholar and a simple notebook, there he wrote on small random sheets of paper his great 12-volume Apologia for the Catholic faith titled The Kingdom of God in the World, compilation of materials read by a village amateur, which was based solely on books and materials officially published by the Russian Orthodox Church. Natalia Ushakova died in 1917, a Russian Catholic aristocrat. At the request of the noblewoman Natalia Zergivna Ushakova, a Russian Catholic herself, Father Alexei was released from prison. He then left for Lvov, where the great Ukrainian Catholic Metropolitan, Venerable Andrei Sheptisky, received him, intending to send him back to Russia. After the Royal Manifesto on Religious Freedom in 1905, Father Alexei moved to St. Petersburg, 
where he began to celebrate the Russian liturgy, that is, the Byzantine Rite in Church Slavonic, with the commemoration of the Pope. Around him, a community began to form, which immediately was met with hostile rejection by the state authorities. Natalia Ushakova, using her family ties with the Minister of Internal Affairs and Chairman of the Council of Ministers Pyotr Stolopin, she managed to protect the community. This is how the first parish of the Russian Catholic Church of the Byzantine Rite was born, which was given the name the Descent of the Holy Spirit. At that time, the parish was located at 12 Palazova Street and existed unofficially. Soon, Father Alexei would be assisted by another priest, Father John Diebner, who had secretly joined the Catholic Church and was ordained a priest by Metropolitan Andrei Sheptisky in 1902. In 1907, Father Alexei went to Rome for a private audience with Pope St. Pius X in order to ask the Holy Father to permit Russian Catholics to keep the, to their native rite after conversion. To this, he received the formal approval and enthusiastic support of the Vicar of Christ. The Importance of the Byzantine Rite in Russian Catholicism But why would such a high approval be needed for such a simple and natural development as it seems to us? Latin Catholics had lived in the territory of the Eastern Orthodox Russian state for many centuries after the schism. Although Eastern Orthodoxy was the official religion and the Tsar headed the church through his official, the chief procurator of the Holy Synod, as they positioned themselves defenders of the faith, Catholics, Protestants, and non-Christians were allowed to live in the country and even enjoy some freedom. Latin Catholics not only lived in Russia and faithfully served its people in the Tsar, but sometimes held quite high positions. For example, Giulio Renato Delita Visconti Arizi, known in Russia as Luli Pompeyevich Lita, was the highest court official in the country from 1826 to 1839. The government allowed the building of Catholic churches and provided financial aid for this. <clears throat> the only condition that the Russian state demanded was that the non-Orthodox did not engage in direct proselytism among the Russians, never claiming a place of their own in the national myth of the country. To be a Russian ought to mean not only to have Eastern Orthodox faith, but to belong to the right, quote-unquote, state-approved church which literally functioned as civil registry office. That is why, starting with Peter the Great and Catherine II, the Tsars were not particularly fond of the Uniites' challenging of the Russian national identity as they dreamt of and tried to create. After all, loyalty to the St. Petersburg Tsar-headed Holy Synod, not to the Pope, was a formal guarantee of political loyalty and social stability. Striving to survive in the diaspora, in extremely tough conditions after the Third Partition of Poland, Latin Catholics in Russia would follow these rules very precisely. Many thousands of Catholics living in new Western territories of the Russian Empire were forcibly integrated into the Russian state legal system. In this context, the emergence of Eastern Rite Russian Catholics was an equal scandal both for the Orthodox Church and for the, quote, receiving party, the Latin Catholics, who not only looked for no trouble, but often considered their own right to be the best expression of the Catholic faith superior to any Eastern one. So ends the article. People down throughout the ages have gone through a lot, sometimes to the shedding of their own blood, to hold on to the one true faith. And let us remember that 
when our faith comes under attack and when we are tempted to despair or feel sorry for ourselves. Those who have gone before us had to endure a lot more than we are going through right now in the year 2023. So pray, hope, and don't worry, my friends, in the immortal words of St. Padre Pio, and pray that rosary every single day. Let us conclude by once again mentioning Helping Autism Through Learning and Outreach. That's halo-soma.org, H-A-L-O-S-O-M-A.org for more information about RPM, Rapid Prompting Method. Also tune into episodes 277 and 548 of Our Ladies Podcast. RPM has opened the door to communication for non-speakers, just as sign language did the same thing for the deaf. Communication is a human right. Before my niece, Brielle, I have two wonderful nieces, Brielle and Kara. Brielle has non-speaking autism. Before she was eight, we had to guess at what she wanted. She couldn't even tell us what she wanted for breakfast. Now, thanks to all of her hard work and that of her families and God's grace working through RPM, we know that she's a comprehensive genius who composes music, who's a brilliant poet, very skilled in regards to mathematics, knows foreign languages. Her IQ has never formally been tested, but it must be off the charts. She's one of the most intelligent people I've ever, ever encountered and a tremendously creative and very compassionate as well and an ardent Catholic. I've been in touch with several folks who have broken through to open communication via RPM and to a man or to a woman as well. Intelligent, creative, kind. And I would have known none of this. Their families would have known none of this were it not for RPM. So please get that word out there. Once again, H-A-L-O hyphen S-O-M-A dot org in episodes 277 and 548 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. Share that far and wide. Thank you so much for listening, friends. And please tune in again tomorrow to the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. Goodbye and God love you.